selling. When I say that word, does it make you want to run for the trees or do you want to sit up and take notice and finally understand how to have courageous conversations that convert? And if it's the latter, yay. And if it's the former, also yay. This is definitely the episode for you. So sit back, relax, and tune in. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this untapped podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Nadia Brown holds a doctoral degree in organizational leadership and is passionate about helping women become more authentic, confident leaders who take charge of their careers and sales. She's a sales strategist, a consultant, a trainer, and founder of the Doyan Agency. It's an agency that works with business owners, companies, and corporations to multiply revenue and awaken the consistent closer within your sales team using the consistent sales method. She also helps women learn to play the career game in business to advance their career and professions. But when it comes to sales particularly, women come to her timid and shaky about going after the money. They leave her strategic, strong, emboldened, and most importantly, paid, which is a pretty big deal. She has over 15 years of leadership experience, powerful conversations, achieving goals, and respect for people to develop a comprehensive sales process to increase closing rates and satisfied client retention. And more importantly, I'm going to add in there that she does that on your own terms in a way that aligns with you. Her clients have seen tremendous results, like raising their rates, decreasing their refund requests, doubling or tripling their annual revenues, including helping clients increase their yearly revenue by 800%. And in this particular conversation that we have, we talk about how to turn self-doubt into confidence. The number one secret to relationship-driven sales, how to overcome the fear of selling, and a whole heap of ways that you can build more courage and supercharge your sales. We also talk about how to end sales conversations and so much more. And we both throw in quite a lot of our experience around this to make it even more beneficial for you. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Let's go. I would love to welcome Dr. Nadia Brown to the Untapped Podcast. Hello and welcome. Hi, Natalie. Thanks for having me. I am so thrilled to dive into some great juicy conversations with you today. But first off, I do have to ask my one question, which is how do you tap into your potential and get paid to be you? It's a loaded question, I must say, but it's a (laughs) juicy one. One of the ways that I get paid to tap into my potential is just through the work I do in my business and helping women generate additional revenue and helping them to really achieve their goals. One way is by training. So I get to train. I get to show up as me. No more stuffy black suits. (laughs) I get to, you know, have that kind of fun with my personality, really allow that to show. But in the topic that I teach, which is sales, I also show up that way too. So there have been many times my husband, whenever he's here and I'm working and he's like, I thought you were in there talking to a good girlfriend. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I was making sales calls. I was working. 
but I get to show up as me. I get to, you know, have my personality, which is fun and bubbly and have that be reflected in the work that I do. Mm, I love that. So how did you actually get to this path of teaching women how to become more confident in selling, which is why you're here on this podcast, because we need more of that. But before that, like what led you on that path to getting there? Because I'm sure it wasn't necessarily a straight line, but usually oh, no. isn't an entrepreneurship, is it? It's like, no, <laughs> it's yeah. actually a path. I went down kicking and screaming. I hated sales. I did not oh. want anything to do with it. I did not want to do sales. When I started my business, originally, I was focused on still working with women, but mostly around leadership and just growing up powerfully as women and their leadership roles, both in business and within corporate. But along that journey, I realized that I needed to improve my own sales skills because they were horrible. And I just kept thinking, if I just build this amazing product, if I just get out there, if I write more books, people will just automatically find me and just want to buy for me. That had didn't work out. That timeline just what? didn't quite work out. <laughs> my bank account kind of went mm-hmm. empty before that worked out in my favor. So it was like, all right, Nadia, you have one of two choices. You can figure this out and fix it, or you can just pack up shop and go back and get a regular job. Like that's fine too. And so I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And so I went on my own journey of figuring out how to sell like Nadia in a way that was in alignment with my values, allowed me to show up as me. And this really felt good at the end of the day versus some of the things I'd been taught to be manipulative, to say one thing and do another, like all those things that we've probably seen. And it's just like, that doesn't feel right. And so that's what set me on this journey. And then I have some really amazing friends who are like, you can't keep all this goodness to yourself. Like you really need to think about teaching other women how to do this and make this transition. And so we made the shift Mm -hmm. in our focus about four years ago. Okay, cool. And I would love to know, how did you get to training yourself, I guess, on your own unique style? It sounds like you've done some training, there were some um, things that you've done, but how did you develop that? Because I'm always curious, because that then ends up being like your signature framework, the thing you become known for, but each person gets there on their own journey. So what was it a combination of? One, it was focus. Like I had so many years running from sales that the mere fact that I was now going to kind of stare the monster in the face, if you will, was like, okay, that was a fairly scary decision. And then it was more training. I attended different trainings around sales, but I went more in it with a different attitude this time. It was really, how do I learn this and how do I adjust this to fit me? And then really practice, 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 practice. So finding ways to have more of those conversations to get in that flow and just kind of figure out what works, what doesn't work. I know at least for me, I can be so hard on myself and I feel like if I've set a goal, I should have accomplished it yesterday. And so there was that period of grace, like this wasn't an overnight thing, but it was definitely something that I was focused on and figuring out how to make it work. I love that you also took something that you ran away from kicking and screaming and decided to turn, face it and embrace it. I do find that a lot of people I talk to who love selling now and love the impact it can make often started out by just being like, nah, not ever. So I'm just curious about what it is that often some of the best sales people who can teach it and do it really well have come from that never ever. Do you think it's a lot of it is actually just, as you said, reframing about what selling means to you? Or is it also a mindset shift of accepting how important or powerful it can be when it's done right? 
I think it's both. Mm. There is that reframe around how important it is and really definitely of just silencing the gremlins that show up and tell you all kinds of crazy stuff, especially during sales conversations. But I think helping women to really own that sales can be done in a way that is feminine and powerful and effective. And I see like how people sometimes interact with my husband and how he makes decisions, especially if it's a couple decision, like when we purchased our home and just how people interact with him. And I pay attention more now to how I respond. We just respond differently. We buy differently. We interact differently. And so encouraging women, especially because I feel like we really struggle with this one in really owning that it's okay for it to be different. It's okay for the sales process to be a little bit slower. It's okay for us to really take that time to build that relationship that feels really good. It's okay to do that. And I think that that's something I find myself saying a lot. It's okay. But then just building the container around as far as your business to accommodate that. So if it's going to be a longer sales cycle, then we just need to be prepared for that, both mentally and obviously financially in our business. So then we're not stressed out about, I got to make this sale today because I got to pay the bills, right? So I think it's a combination of the two, but really just really focusing on reframing. It's okay to do sales. It does not have to be sleazy and you can do it your way. Yeah. And you can make a huge difference in people's lives when you allow them to enroll in whatever it is that you are selling and allow them to come to that sort of decision on their own. Well, at least it feels like that, right? Because sometimes we don't know what's in front of us and how good it be for us. And we just need that person to be able to show us the way, which is a really nice way of thinking about it. Quick question before we dive into some of your juicy, awesome points that you're going to cover off and teach us on. Curious when you were doing those different trainings that you went along to, did you find it was very male dominated or was it actually quite a cool mix of people that you were learning from? I feel like I had a decent mix of male and female teachers. Interestingly, though, their styles or their approaches weren't very different, even though they were both male and female. So They weren't very different. Mm-mm. So it's actually really the key methodology and the fundamental values of what makes for great selling and converting is actually similar. It's all in how you deliver it yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Useful to know. And also the next thing I just want to ask, because I know you've done incredible stuff, you know, helping your clients increase their yearly revenue by up to 800% must feel amazing. What though is your doctorate in? Like, how did you become Dr. Nadia Brown? Just for those people listening who might be like, oh, I want to hear about that bit. Oh my gosh. So honestly, I earned my doctorate because I promised my grandmother that I would do it. That's <laughs> awesome. Go granny. My doctorate is in leadership. So I've always been fascinated with business leaders. I never thought I would become an entrepreneur, but yep, yet here we are. <laughs> Organizational leadership in particular, right? Which is yeah, yes. awesome. Mm-hmm. But now you help women break through the glass ceilings and essentially build profitable businesses and sustainable ones, which is what I'm all about here. So First off, can we dive into some of these great topics? I would love for you to share how you believe people can turn self-doubt into confidence. In fact, I was just on a 10K club moaching call, as we call it, moaching, mentoring, coaching. And the biggest topic that came up today that we tackled was imposter syndrome, which I think I talk about in my book as well. And I'm sure you come up against it, which I don't even think should be called syndrome because it already sounds like it's a disease or some sickness versus imposter thoughts. But so not just talking about that here, but I'm sure how do you take self-doubt and actually flip it on its head and use it for confidence? 
because confidence Um, is ultimately key to everything not just sales right yeah totally well one thing is I encourage people and it's funny because in corporate I called it like your brag folder just Mm. gathering all the things that you've accomplished or all the times that people gave you those kudos and then we move over to entrepreneurship and it's like oh wait I need to bring that same thing over and so one of the ways is to remind ourselves that we are actually amazing because the gremlins come. Oh my gosh, <laughs> do they come? And like you said, we have those self-doubts. We are looking for external validation. I mean, how many more degrees did I think I needed to get before I felt like I could actually build a business? And so one of the ways is like, even with the Courage Diary, one of the resources I created is part of that is so you can track the fact that you had the courage to show up and ask for the sale in the first place, hmm. to track the number of times people actually said yes, <laughs> as well as some other data. But you start to really see the trends. And so I think a big part of that is what are the things that you need to do to remind yourself, whether it's being in a program like yours and you're surrounded in community. So on those days when you forget, you have people to remind you and to reflect that back to you. Or what are things that you can have in your office or your daily meditation or rituals to really help set you up for that powerful mindset shift? Mm, Yeah, I really love that, actually. It's so funny. I love the Courage Diary, was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I keep a little feedback and love. And I think whatever you call it, it's great. But to revisit every so often, especially on the days when you're like, oh, I'm just having a tough one with this, just to read what people have said, even just take a few minutes. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm back. And it's not about other people having to validate your awesomeness or your amazingness, but it's just remembering sometimes you just need those people in your side of the court to say, no, you got this. Like, this is why you're awesome, just in case you forgot. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. And I love that you do that. And also, as you said, it's tracking the results. Some people are so hard on themselves, as you said, you were at the beginning of this interview. And unless you can actually say, oh, no, hang on a minute, I did have five yeses out of seven. And actually, I did convert these amazing clients this month. And wow, I've actually made more money than in my last three months combined. Sometimes we just don't even see the results. We're so focused on what didn't happen or the no we got. So I really love that you get people to track because that's actually where you can see the tangible results as much as your gut instinct tells you. Love it. So what is the number one secret, Nadia, to relationship-driven sales? So keep your focus on the relationship. I know it sounds obvious, <laughs> like really, but I think sometimes we get so in our head or we get so in the numbers or we have our heads down that we don't take the time to really build and not just in a single sales conversation, but throughout your entire client journey from the first time they get to meet you to the time they actually have a sales conversation to the time that they're no longer a client. How can you build in that value around relationship driven relationship based relationship nurturing throughout that entire journey and have that reflected? Mm, Yeah, I really love that. Indeed. And what do we need to do to get over the fear of selling? Why is it so scary? (laughs) Because the second we say that it's a sales conversation, our brains just go crazy. (laughs) I think back to my journey and I'm like, okay, all I'm doing essentially is having conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times there are conversations just like this. And then if there's some sort of fit, then we extend that invitation. It's not always a great fit. Therefore, I don't always invite people to take that next step. And one big piece of it, though, is I say, focus on the relationship. So focus on the connection, focus on the conversation part, and not so much the selling. So stop selling, start connecting. 
because the second we make it a formal sales conversation that I have to go through these steps and I have to say these things this way and I have to get the credit card before we get off the phone or else I can't let them go, that just kills the deal right there. So we have to find a way to still be productive, right? Because we are building businesses. So obviously sales is a big piece of it, but that mindset shift around, I'm not just going in to hit all the boxes, but I'm actually connecting with another person to see if there's a way that I can serve them through my business or through my program. Mm -hmm. And then if that's the case, then I can share more of those details with them and then they get to make the decision if that's the best step for them right now. And we get to have that conversation. I love that. And I actually just like calling it a conversation because a conversation is a two-way street. It means you're listening and asking great questions and they're discovering through your questions more about themselves that leads them to be convinced or converted that you're the right person to work with or not. That is what it is. It's a conversation. It's not a you must make this sale, even though that's a lovely thing to aim for. It is good. There are methodologies. There are steps you can take to enroll people and have that conversation that you'll learn, that you teach people. But I really like that you're giving yourself flexibility to not, oh, but I didn't hit all these steps. And just give yourself the process that works for you that you start to see gets results. Because I think everybody does it slightly differently. And that's the point is everybody's unique. So find your own unique style. Mm -hmm. So I think you've got six ways that salespeople can build more courage. Courage Diary is probably one of them, I'm sure. And I really like this. Courageous Conversations, actually feels more on tap with what we're really talking about here. So what are some of those methods that I'm sure you teach, but that you've really come to know that work? One is to set a goal to get 100 no's. Interesting. Because with the courage. Bring um, on rejection. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it on. Yeah. And again, it's facing the monster in the face, but it also creates a sense of hope. When you know that today, Natalie may have said no, but I have seven conversations tomorrow or next Mm -hmm. week that where I could potentially get a yes. So I think the more we can have our pipelines full where we're having those consistent and, you know, those consistent conversations that are keeping us in conversation and we can, it helps us to see that more consistent growth and progress versus I had one conversation in January. I had seven in February. I had zero in March. Like that is mm-hmm. all that inconsistency drives us bonkers. And it can be discouraging, especially the longer that draws out. So any kind of way you can create that consistency in your business, definitely, definitely, definitely do it. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. So that's another method. So aiming for a hundred no's. I also really like how that Imagine that people would start doing the calls because they're wanting a no and they start getting yeses. They're like, wait, I'm not going to get my hundred no's. Yes. <laughs> no one has yet to call me and say they've reached a hundred no's. Because okay. when they call, they're like, oh, I got all these clients and I'm doing all this fun <laughs> stuff. And they forget that the whole goal was to get a hundred no's. Yeah. I'm fine with that. <laughs> that is awesome. I really like that reframe and that reverse engineering. What's another one that you love sharing with your clients? I love sharing about qualifying your leads. Mm -hmm. There's so much focus and so many trainings on leads, 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 Mm -hmm. leads, leads. But I don't feel we talk as much about lead quality, especially for those of us who are having actual sales conversations, because not all leads are created equal. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there are some things that we can be doing and should be doing along the way to really start qualifying our leads before they get on the phone with us or on Zoom or however we're communicating with them 
And we should be afraid to do it. I think sometimes we don't do it because there's this fear, like I don't want to discriminate or I just want to try to talk to as many people because we've been told sales is just a numbers game. But I think that it's important and it's actually important for our time and our sanity that we start to qualify people before they get on the phone with us. Because that's one way to kill your courage and your confidence quick. If you're talking to a lot of the wrong leads, mm-hmm. you're getting a lot of no's. That self-doubt starts to come in and take over. Those voices amp up. And it helps us to eliminate or cut back on that when we know that we're taking those steps to really better qualify our leads. Yeah, and I've seen this happen so much in my business, even just with like the 10K Club. The amount of people that have been joining recently have come through listening to this podcast or through my Monetize You Summit, and they've just been so much better qualified. They're just the perfect fit for the club, right? Versus before when I might be trying different events, webinars or challenges, and that's lovely. And you do find great people within them. But if I think about it, it's actually been the one-to-one conversations I've had on social and email and a follow-up after they've attended something where they just want to converse and just go, yeah, I sound like the right fit. And that's not even a call, right? That's just somebody validating, I think I am the right fit. Can you confirm? And it's just been so much easier because the right people step up through that rather than this kind of mass audience or just I'll talk to anybody. And it's just such a beautiful thing. And it, it just feels so much more fitting. So I really hope people take that away from that is qualifying the people. You don't want to work with everybody ever, (laughs) ever. You want to work with your red carpet clients, as I call them. We don't have to do all the six, but what would be your other favorite one that kind of blows people's minds that they're like, oh, I get it. I get this when you talk to them about it. One thing, and I'll add to just something that you just shared is as you're doing your work, or especially when you're in those calls, to position yourself as a strategic ally. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned how you're been, you've been qualifying people through like your podcast and different things like that, how good it feels when people come to a sales call and they're like 90% there, right? It feels so different than someone who's like, who are you again? Like, why are we on this call again? You're like, oh my gosh. And yeah. so positioning yourself as that strategic ally also helps to eliminate people's resistance or help them bring down their barrier to that conversation because people have such a negative mindset or idea around sales conversations, hence the reason why we struggle with it. But when you are coming and showing up as that person that you're really helping that place of alliance versus being in like a very adversarial type of relationship, Mm. it just feels very different as you're helping guide people to that decision. Is this a yes? Is this a no? Is this the best fit? Is this the best time? And again, whether they say yes today doesn't mean they won't say yes in the future. And mm-hmm. if you have a system to support that and continue to show up as that ally, it'll help really strengthen that when they're ready to move forward. I love that word. And I love the word ally. I know it's been bandied about a lot more now, but it really is truly in its essence, the right way to think about it. Um, I was also thinking, just as you said that, it's also okay for you to say no back to somebody and that they're just not the right fit at this time. And I think being really clear on your guidelines and boundaries and who is going to benefit most from what you're offering. I wish more people who are selling or having these courageous conversations would be more honest about that. I know when people are starting out, you want everybody to join and you, you know, you might need the money, but it is far more preferable to have the right quality of people in there because they attract more of the right people. And if you can kind of offset that immediate maybe income that makes you feel safer or more confident, 
with actually really gathering the right people to start with in the community, it's only going to build on from there. So I just want to put that out there for people that they don't always have to be the right fit for you as well. It's okay for you to say no back on those qualifying <laughs> conversations. Yeah. And it catches people off guard. I've said no. And people are like, wait, what? Like they're not expecting that. And so yeah. it's really like, no, I'm not the best person or it's not the best time. If there is another resource, happy to refer you to someone else that can serve you in that way. And it really strengthens that relationship. I had one woman in particular that came back. She was like, well, can we at least just be friends? <laughs> like, can I at least stay connected with you? Because she was just like, I really love the opportunity to work with you. And she just could not believe. I was like, not right now. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I like that. And yes, we can be friends. Or that's the perfect time to say, like, what I'm talking to you about today might not be fit for you, but this other offer that I have is mm-hmm. perfect fit. And that's where a really good sales funnel comes in so handy because you can meet people where they need to be met and direct them to the thing that's going to help them most at the stage they're at. And I guess we should also caveat that I imagine a lot of these conversations you're having, Nadia, are for bigger ticket item programs or something where there's a considerable investment or maybe it's a long-term relationship with you. I guess the question for me is when do you find it best to have an actual sales conversation with somebody? versus other things that are more automated that can lead them to that path because you don't need to always have them right it's usually for something that's a bigger investment where people have to be more conscious about what they're investing in yeah that's a good question and anything five thousand or more you should at least be prepared to have a conversation however I do have a client and we were talking about this in one of our recent uh, convert labs who they do have a lower price investment is not 5,000. I think it's maybe like closer to two, but they still incorporated sales calls because there was still this level of very working closely together. So even though it wasn't over a longer period of time, there was still a lot of back and forth and they wanted to make sure to vet that the relationship was still a good fit. So even though going into the sales conversation, you already knew the investment, you already knew you were going to get They still wanted to have that conversation just to make sure that it was a great fit. So I think like you mentioned the funnels earlier, as you're looking at your funnel or your client journey, you may have to decide how you want to have that set up to even set the stage for the conversation. Mm -hmm. But it really also depends on your company culture. Like they're super high touch in their company. And so it just makes sense that they would have those conversations, even if they're brief, just to make sure that it's a fit. Yeah, I really like that. And maybe when you're starting something out as well, like when I did start the 10K club, I would have people apply. And then I'd jump on a really quick call. It was honestly sometimes 15, 20, 30 minutes. But it was for me to actually understand where they were at, if they were a right fit. And as you said, they were already 90% there. They just wanted one more question answered. But it also gave me an idea of who was joining and that they were the right fit for the ethos and values that I really wanted in the club. And there were only a few people that on those calls that I was like, actually, I can just tell you're not a fit. So it was quite nice to have the call. We don't do that anymore because we don't need it. It tracks the right people through our copy and the way in which we approach it. But it was really good in the early days because it allowed me to understand what were the challenges, what were the problems, was the club going to meet their needs? Had I set up the right framework and foundations? Like, were we covering off on the right topics? So it almost validated why I put it together. <laughs> so that's another time when you can use calls, right? Even if it's not a $5,000 plus sort of offering. So sometimes it can almost be market research and making sure that you've got yes. hit the nail on the head, right? Yep. You could always, like you said, fine tune your messaging, 
you can hear where people's questions are, where your copy isn't clear. So that's another bonus of having those mm. conversations. And also, um, and obviously letting them know, but that you're recording the conversation because sometimes just writing down in their own words what they said comes in so helpfully for emails that you might want to write or, mm-hmm. as we said, copy for things. It's so much better if it's in their own words rather than you because even though you think you know best, sometimes it's just much cooler if people can see themselves and what you've written. Yes, it's um, much more effective. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would just love to sort of finish up on, I know we could talk about so many more things, but what do you think, you've seen through the clients you've worked with and their selling techniques and things they've learned that women in particular do really well. Like I'd like to focus on what the superpower is or superpowers that you've seen that you think we do incredibly well that sometimes men don't have that we should look to use more that maybe we don't use enough. Ooh, that's a juicy one. I think we actually do a really great job of listening, not only to what is said, but what isn't said. And I think we do a good job based on that of matching the pace. So if the prospect is moving at a faster pace, then we can adjust to that. But if they need more time or if there's that level of uncertainty, we have the ability to put them at ease and maybe give them the space to make that without feeling pressured. Got to make a decision like yesterday. And so just having those systems in place, I think just that whole nurture thing really sometimes is not just a word that, you know, a new buzzword for sales and funnels. It's actually <laughs> a part that a lot of women do really well of naturally just incorporating that at how they do business. And so, like you said, when people come to us, a lot of times they already know and they just sometimes need that extra validation. Like, yes, you're in the right place or yes, I am the same here as what you see online or whatever. I'm the same person. It's okay. And so really building that in and having that show up in their sales, I think we do a great job of it. Yeah, I love that you said that because I think that's so, so true. And listening, you can really, really hear that person and what they're really trying to say to you. We've all been on those calls where somebody's going down through a script and you've said something and you're like, oh, I'll put this out there and see if they're really listening. And they're just like, uh-huh, oh, that's great. And what? And you're like, no, 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 if you'd actually heard me there, you could have dug in and that could have been it. Like we could have closed this right now because you would have mm-hmm. been like, here's exactly why this will help you. So yeah, don't underestimate the power of listening. That's why I often think introverts in some ways, I'm sometimes a little bit jealous of them because they do an incredible job of really listening and hearing and then being able to reflect that back on you. As more of an extrovert, it's something I've learned over the years is to, even though sometimes I still will be like, here's what you need to do or here's what I'd love, is to just really allow the person to process their thoughts through talking and be able to truly hear the message in that or the objection or the fear or the thing that I could really help them with. So I'm really glad you said that. So cool. Well, this has been fantastic. I've got one final question for you, which is, I guess is that thing around for people who are considering this as part of their business, and I know it's super powerful, you've got those offers, you're really wanting to have more of those conversations. How important is it to actually have an answer on that call? You've talked quite a lot about meeting them at their own level, at their own pace, and their own timing. How important is it to get a yay or nay on that call, or at least book in a follow-up if the person's not 100% there, in your I opinion? Oh, that's a great question. I think that You won't always get a yay or nay on the call as much as we would like to. (laughs) I am definitely one of those go, go, go kind of people. But I do think it's important to schedule the follow-up and to get as much context around why there's a hesitation. 
mm-hmm. the edge you can, right? Because sometimes it's, I need to talk it out with someone. Sometimes it's unanswered questions. Sometimes we just don't know. And so I think as much as possible that you can probe respectfully to get down to what's hang the hang up, it just really helps you kind of frame that. But then of course, being able to schedule a follow-up so that you're not doing the just checking in emails or texts or whatever, because you don't know what your next step is. And so really having that grown-up conversation and be like, okay, what should our next steps look like? What's mm-hmm. the next, the time frame? And of course, this is all within the parameters of whatever you're offering. Sometimes we have hard enrollment dates and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I definitely encourage you as much as possible to get clarity around what questions they may have or what their next actions are. And then also what your next steps should look like as well. That way you both are on the same page mm. and you're not the one wandering around lost. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do now. Cause then that's a lot of times where we just say, forget it. And we move on to something else. I love that. And co-creating those next steps, like putting it back in their court. Like, what do you think is the best next step here? Because mm-hmm. often they'll tell you, they'll be like, well, I just love to go away and talk to my partner or my friend and great. So can we book in a call tomorrow and let's get some follow-up on that? It's really nice because it empowers them to take responsibility for what the next step is. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Or even sometimes I've heard, can I sleep on it? Especially when we're talking five figures, like sometimes people are just like, okay, okay, Mm -hmm. I see this and I need to sleep on it. And I remember one woman, she wanted to sleep on it fine. And we spoke the next morning and during our call, she just talked it out. Like she just needed the space to talk it out. Literally, I just sat there and listened to her talk it out. And then she's like, okay, good. I'm ready to move forward. And it was five-figure investment. Everyone was happy. And so it's just, again, matching her pace, giving her that space, not rushing it. I think if I had been pushy about it, she might not have said yes. And knowing when it's appropriate to do that, because that's not always necessarily the appropriate course of action. But it's not always wrong to allow people to sleep on it, right, either, and then being able to follow up. Yeah, I really like that, that you're giving permission to people listening here that that's okay. It's meeting people where they're at and making sure that their objections are met because that's honestly the biggest thing. I've done the same thing. I've slept on a big decision and then gone for it. I just wanted that clarity. I just wanted some time with it, to sit with it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you can jump right in. You just know intuitively it's for you. But other times it does, does require a little bit more, you know, financial consideration, partnership consideration, your timings coming up, is it the best time for you? Legit ones, right? Because everybody's like, I don't have enough time or money is always an objection. But sometimes it's legitimate. Like you might be going off on sabbatical or you might be getting married or you might be having a child. And so therefore, is this the right time? Yeah, perfect. I love it. Thank you so much. It's been actually really fun and really neat reframing of what I hope people are going to look at now with more energy and excitement about kind of courage and the conversations and the enrollments that they can do in their own style, on their own terms, and to be able to make more income and impact, which is what we're all about here. So what is the best way for people to get in touch with you, to thank you, and to find out more about you? Love it. So you can head over to thedoyanagency.com. On social media, most on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at I am Dr. Nadia. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. And then we have a great resource, Courageous Conversations That Convert.com, where you can grab a checklist on how you can have those courageous conversations. Nice. That wasn't the format. I didn't realize it's what you called it. And then I was talking about that earlier. So perfect. I'm so aligned with you. Um, That is awesome. And we will definitely link in the show notes as well. So I'll share that. But thank you so much. This has been really, really fun and courageous and juicy. And I hope that it's kind of 
converted some people out there to consider themselves as people who can have those conversations, not necessarily be the master sales expert, but really deeply listen and understand and meet people where they're at. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So again, I just, oh, I just love that conversation. I took away so much. Every single one of us is involved in selling our services and our benefits and our impact every single day. So it makes total sense for us to get better at doing this in a way that aligns with us, feels comfortable, that feels natural, and that actually gets results. So if this has inspired you to actually start learning, then please do check out Nadia's website. It's the doyanagency.com. That's D-O-Y-E-N-N-E, the doyanagency.com. Otherwise, as you said, you can find her at I am Dr. Nadia on Instagram and Twitter and go from there. And yeah, just continue to educate yourself on sales methods, courageous conversations and frameworks that really help you to step into your greatness and be able to convince and convert more people to work with you. Because at the end of the day, the work that you're doing is super important. But if you're not telling people about it and if they don't know how to work with you or why that's beneficial, then you're totally doing yourself a disservice and them. And that is all part of tapping into your potential and getting paid to be you, which is what this podcast is all about. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please do me one favor, share it with a friend who could do with increasing their confidence around their conversions and sales and totally reframe and look at this in a different light that gets them excited and motivated. You can do that by heading to nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast and sharing that link or simply share the link that you're listening to this podcast in, in your fun little app on your phone and just share it with them. Just share it away so that it can help touch one more person's life. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to tap into your potential and have an amazing week.